one of the interesting stories has been a company has asked someone I know to do one of these assessments before mm-hmm. their interview. And they go into this assessment, they go into a room and they were told to go on a computer. And <laughs> basically what had happened is they asked this person to do specific activities on Excel in terms of data analysis to see their technical abilities on site. Right. So again, maybe this person wasn't as prepared as they would have liked to be, but it was a tough one. Right. So (laughs) I think it just goes to show if you're, if the job is asking to be proficient with Excel or SAS or any sort of data analysis software, please make sure you prepare for that because if they put you on the spot and ask you specific questions or even basic questions to show that you actually know it and they give you a test, it's going to look very bad if you don't know what's going on. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health, from the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so other people like you can benefit from our content. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily represent any of the agencies or organizations we work for or are affiliated with. My name is Gordon, your host for this episode, along with my fellow co-pilot, LaShawn Benedict. In this episode of the Public Health Insight Podcast, we're doing things a little bit differently. We're going to talk about never heard before interview stories that we've been directly involved with either ourselves on the interview side of things or us as the candidates being interviewed. So we're going to pull back the curtain for the people, LaShawn, share some things that we've experienced that probably are borderline embarrassing and cringeworthy and some of the moments where whether it's ourselves or other candidates things that they did really well thinking outside of the box and making them stand out what do you say excited about this let's go i'm ready nervous i'm ready you got some good stories Lashawn. uh we'll see what we got in the bag you got some stuff cooking up Mm -hmm. so one of the things that i think is important to mention here too interview is a very common practice and it's something that's ubiquitous in the recruiting world you like that word i just had to say it i had to say that word so i hope that a lot of people can relate to the stories that we share here or glean some kind of humor from the ones that we're gonna tell this one is a little bit tricky Lashawn. last minute cancellations Mm. or rescheduling whether initiated by the interview candidate or someone on the panel or the recruiter who now has a conflict and has to change interviews. Is this something that you've had to deal with in the past? Yeah, last minute cancellations are a thing that sometimes come up for a variety of reasons. For me, it's come up in the past where, you know, there's a family emergency that needs to be attended to or a car stops working and you can't get to the destination that you need to on time or just sickness. What's the right way to handle it? And what's sort of the wrong way to handle that? If you're the person that needs to request 
this cancellation or postponement? Communication, communication, communication. So mm-hmm. it's important that you understand a couple of things. Obviously, the first part is you practice, you've done all your preparations in order to do this interview, but you also have to think about the other side of this as well. Mm. The resources, the time, the organization that it took to actually set up this interview, whether it's been in person or online, there are resources and time being spent to set that up. And from the organization side, scheduling those interviews, making sure there's no scheduling conflicts, making sure the interviewers and panelists are able to make that specific time, taking time out of their busy schedule. So it's important to communicate. So as soon as you know Mm -hmm. that there may be some sort of conflict that would prevent you from attending that interview on time, make sure you let that be known. It's Mm -hmm. very unprofessional if you don't communicate and you just let the interview pass by. You want to make sure you communicate with them, maybe email back the HR person that has been communicating with you, or maybe give them a direct call, whatever your circumstance allows for. As long as you communicate, that would allow you to retain that that professionalism so that they know you're still serious about this interview. And it's the employer, unfortunately for the candidate, is well within their right to say, I'm sorry, we're, we're completing this exhaustive interview process and they have certain recruitment timelines that they're not going to be able to meet if they push you a little bit further down in terms of rescheduling. So that can be a result of you making that request. But like LaShawn said, communicate as early as possible. You don't want to communicate sort of after the like it's like 11.05 and they're already waiting for you. If something happened in that exact moment where you're about to log on or whatever the case might be, that's a bit different. But as soon as you know that something is going to stand in the way of you possibly making that interview, even communicate about that uncertainty. I think that's a good way to approach it and understand that, yeah, there's other candidates like LaShawn said too, who if they delay your interview by a week or two, that's delaying potentially the other candidates that were. So it's not just about you, unfortunately. It's about a lot of different things as well. So don't take it personal, but you it's, you, it's a duty of yours to be transparent and communicative about your situation as early as possible. Yeah. And I think example that I have is it's been, it's happened in the past where the day of my interview, someone in my family has passed away and mm. obviously it's a very stressful time for everyone involved. So you want to make sure that like Gordon said, maybe in the moment it's not appropriate to send out emails or do communications, Mm. but as soon as you get a chance, make sure you communicate. So that's what I did. And in that case, we were able to reschedule the interview for a later date. Mm. Precisely. So interviews happen in a variety of different shapes, formats. So you can have virtual, which is way more common now than it used to be. And there's various challenges that come with that, but there's also Who's on the interview? How many people? What are their various positions in the organization? So what are our thoughts on panel interviews? And do we have any interesting stories about how you maybe navigated a tough panel or maybe where you found the panel to be even more beneficial in pulling the best out of you? 
Yeah, and I'm sure you could share stories about this as well. But when I first think of panel interviews, I think about when you're communicating to these people. And oftentimes, from my experience, it's been the direct hiring manager, their manager, and any executive, or maybe there's a different staff that's involved. But it could be good in some ways in sense of <laughs> if you're very receptive to seeing people's reactions to some of your responses, when you're in a panel, since there's more people in there in that in that situation, you might be able to elicit some smiles and head nods and head shakes, as opposed to if it was just one person. But it is a tough situation to be able to to go in there and say stuff during the interview and not be affirmed in any sort of way. So mm. I think when you have more people, maybe there's a greater chance of that happening. Mm. If you take it a step back, though, from my experience, I feel like most of the time, if not all the time, there is an email sent where you're told who will be on the panel. Mm -hmm. So that can be information that you discard and keep your head down and keep doing your reading. But I think that's important to know who you're going to be speaking with. So there's a wonderful tool called LinkedIn. Maybe check, look them up. How long have they been with the organization? What work they're specifically involved with in that organization? And then Sometimes you have to play to the crowd. Is there something as part of your preparation that links to their work that you can reference to show them that you did an extra degree of research mm -hmm. ahead of time? Those are some of the things that we think about whenever we're doing interviews. And that's something I would encourage everyone to do. And you can, you, you're able to know what you're going to get into. And if there's specific questions that you can formulate for each person at the end, having that context before you go into the interview that's where that connection is very helpful. Yeah. And um, with the panel interviews, it's interesting. I, and there's been cases where I've gotten emails prior to the interview saying who's on the panel. Mm. And then there's also been situations where I log in and then I <laughs> all of a sudden see the CEO, the vice president, and a bunch Avengers of other come executives come through to that panel. And it's like, oh, oh my, right? Mm. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's good to it can be, go either way. It could go either way, yeah. but just be prepared, I guess, is the ultimate message. But Gordon, so I know you've had panel interviews before. How has that been for you? Do you prefer them to normal? Yeah, I definitely prefer, I definitely prefer panels. And I think that's probably considered a best practice now for recruiting mm -hmm. for the simple reason of you get interviewing experience is subjective for the most part there's some objective elements that you can try to measure but typically you get a feeling about a person as a potential employer employee sorry and those things are you try to quantify them through various scoring tools and, and that sort of thing so the more people in there with diverse perspectives and who might be interested in different things the better you're able to showcase those things and resonate with each person there versus if you had a singular person and they you just you weren't vibing with them for whatever reason then that that probably puts your candidacy in jeopardy mm -hmm. so the more the merrier to a large degree and the better able you can like LaShawn said maybe someone there is more kind of receptive to body language whether it's in person or on camera 
And what I tend to do for those is the person who you're kind of getting the head nods with, you kind of use, look at them as a reference point for, to see if you're doing well in your interview questions. And then you can kind of keep going there. Are they smiling? Mm-hmm. You know, can you maybe not, you know, we'll talk about the humor in a sense, strategically placed humor is an important skill that you have to navigate very carefully. But panel interviews, I find in general to be a good thing because it captures the range of a candidate better because there's multiple perspectives involved in the judging of that candidate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like a more holistic assessment of your abilities. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that can happen in that email, so you get the place, the time, who's going to be interviewing you. You might also see, hey, we're going to need you to do a written sample or you need to write a... Huh? No, no, no. You don't want to do that? That's, that's, it's a lot. I have mixed feelings about that one. I'm, I'm not even done though. Writing sample, a PowerPoint presentation, 30 minutes, Oof. a five minute presentation, some kind of test. So if you're doing like epidemiology or some data analysis, sometimes they have different tests and stuff that you have to do where you analyze a complex data set, do some data visualization as part of <laughs> the testing. So when we say interview, interview is is part of the interview process is, hey, I have 10 questions for you. We go back and forth as you answer them. But around that, there can also be other assessment tools that are employed to identify if you are the right fit and if you have the skills needed to be successful in that position. LaShawn, you're not very warm to this idea. So I'm guessing you avoid situations where you have to do interview testing. Have you been fortunate to be in a position where you're doing presentations. I mean, I've been scoring. I've been asked in the past to Mm. be invited to interviews and going through processes that require you to do some sort of interview testing where, you know, you create a PowerPoint presentation, you create a budget and stuff like that. Mm. And I think it's great to highlight specific skills. And I think it's even better to just assess a candidate's seriousness towards the job. Like you could weed out a lot of people who are not serious, but at the same time, we have to realize that these things take a lot of time, a lot of free time, right? So you're working on a presentation, a policy brief, all these things takes hours, could take a couple of days and it's, you're not getting compensated for that. Right. And the Mm. burden of already practicing for the interview just places a lot of pressure on candidates, which could be a good or bad thing, depending on what the employee wants to do, right? So it's not that I'm completely against them. It's just, I I wish there is some sort of way to compensate people who are doing this because at the end of the day, these jobs may not even have posted their salary ranges or expectations. So you might be doing this for a job that at the end of the day doesn't even make financial sense for you. So I think if you pair this with more transparent measures, I would be more okay with it. Right, right. Can you imagine, though, if you do one of these and you're way below, <laughs> you, you finish a process and it's way below what your salary expectation oh. was? I mean, there's tools out there you can use to try to get this information ahead of time, but sometimes it's difficult. And then sometimes there's certain positions in the market where an organization will just pay way below market value. So even though you're expecting market value, you might not get that. And that can be a very frustrating thing. 
And here's why it's problematic for the employer, LaShawn. I think we, everybody has a network. They know people. They'll get asked, hey, I'm going to interview for so-and-so. Like, hey, did you know that they have all these hectic tests and stuff? And that can actually turn off really good candidates from hearing from the inner circle about how different organizations recruit. Mm -hmm. That can be a deterrent for people being referred to apply to those positions. So something to keep in mind. And then something to keep in mind if you're going to be doing one of these interviews is how much time can you commit to this? Right? Are you going to feel very deflated and sad if you go through all of this and still not get the offer? So it's a balancing act for sure. Yeah. Do you have any experience with it, Gordon? Yeah, I've been lucky to probably do additional testing and assessment for everything I've ever applied for, probably. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, there's usually something. So do you, so do you find done... it useful? So here's the thing. It's annoying. I'm not going to lie. It's annoying. It's a lot of extra work, but it allows me to showcase my strengths. So presentations is one thing that I'm commonly thrown into in terms of like obviously my job, but also if I'm ever interviewing and my previous experience with presentations allows me to do a really good job at this. And if it's five minutes, I do the best five minute presentation I can. And if it's 30 minutes, I do the best 25 minute presentation I can. And I'm able to use my skills in that area to stand out. But it does require a lot of investment in terms of energy and time. Mm -hmm. And I've done those before. And I've done presentations. For the most part, they've gone really well, where I try to assess the reaction from the panel, see the nodding. When someone all of a sudden grabs their pen and looks down and make a note, I make a mental note in my head. Oh, so-and-so might ask me about slide number Mm. 10. Yeah right? Things like that you can use that for. And then there's sometimes I'm finished and then there's no questions. And you could take that in different ways. Either it was terrible and I just, I don't even know where to start with you. Or honestly, this was very clear and I really don't have anything to ask, which I think my experience has been the latter. Mm -hmm. So it's a good opportunity to showcase your presentation skills if that's the tool that they're using to assess that. Has there ever been a situation where you've been asked to do one of these assessments and you had no idea, you know, what to do or you struggled a bit? Yeah, it's tough because the oftentimes, and I'll give you, the presentations are a little bit more, you have a little bit more leeway to kind of make what you want out of it. They'll give you a topic, for example, obesity from a public health perspective, and you can kind of mm-hmm. determine how you want to approach that. The key thing here first is who's your target audience? So I typically would ask that. They'll say, hey, you're presenting on this. So I'm like, hey, how should I tailor the presentation? Am I speaking? Obviously, you're speaking to public health professionals, Mm -hmm. but is that how they want you to tailor it where the people who are in the audience have some baseline knowledge already? Do they want it to be way more layperson? And that's kind of the only follow-up question I typically ask. And then I kind of get right into it. The most challenging one I've ever done is where I had to do a presentation and a briefing note with very specific questions about risk mitigation, all kinds of crazy stuff. And that was that was tough because 
and I was limited to one or two pages or something like mm-hmm. that. So what's the most important information to include? So the struggle was kind of knowing what was the most high value information? How should I package this? How can I be clear and concise about something so expansive? It's a very challenging thing. So it takes a lot of time. I remember for that interview, I stayed up till maybe 5 a.m. in the morning mm-hmm. and then did the interview at nine or something like that. Yeah. So it's not good. It's not good from a time perspective, but I use it as an opportunity to stand out amongst the other candidates who also probably don't enjoy doing it too as well. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stories about this. And one of the interesting stories has been a company has asked someone I know to do one of these assessments before Mm -hmm. their interview. And they go into this assessment, they go into a room and they were told to go on a computer And basically what had happened is they asked this person to do specific activities on Excel in terms of data analysis to see their technical abilities on site, right? So again, maybe this person wasn't as prepared as they would have liked to be, but it was a tough one, right? So (laughs) I think it just goes to show if you're, if the job is asking to be proficient with Excel or, um, SAS or any sort of data analysis software, please make sure you prepare for that. Because if they put you on the spot and ask you specific questions or even basic questions to show that you actually know it and they give you a test, it's going to look very bad if you don't know what's going on. Right. Mm -hmm. So the key thing there, LaShawn, they didn't get the job, by the way. So they didn't get the job. Go figure. The key thing is that sometimes you get a heads up. Mm Uh, depending on what it is. And sometimes you show up and it's like, oh, before we start, here's a 30-minute thing. The key thing to understand too is look at the window of time in which you're... Oh, like how long you schedule it, yeah. Yeah, so if if you're an hour and a half, (laughs) you're probably going to have some testing. Yeah. An hour, typically you could get away with no additional things beyond the interview questions. Once you're in a sort of hour and a half, two-hour range, you're likely going to have one or more testing components for sure. All right. So this brings us to the end. We talked a little bit about the interview process, high level cringeworthy moments, some moments that we felt we turned lemon, lemons into lemonade. Is that to say, or water to wine? Okay. That's, is that controversial? I don't know. So we, <laughs> <laughs> we've had, so we've spoken a little bit about that and last minute cancellations, rescheduling, how to navigate panel interviews and anticipating and performing successfully in interview testing and assessments. This was Gordon and LaShawn, your favorite public health professionals, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.